With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back by no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in Elizabeth Park in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Buck Rising hanging out here with you. Tatum Everett, Fox 17, at Tatum Everett on Twitter. Big Joe on the go. Joe Dubin, WSMV Channel 4. They're in today. What's up, fam? Tatum? It's a good day. It's a great day. It's a beautiful day. Is it? Tatum, you looked. See, we do this in my office at my house. And Tatum was... fantabulous, by the way. Beautiful. Thank you very much for gracing my home with your presence. Yes. Uh, I saw Tatum. I don't know if you were looking at the television or if you were glancing out the window at the shack. Oh, <laughs> no, I was definitely looking at the TV, but now I feel like I need to look out the window. See, the shack has become yeah. famous because Paul Kaharski has suggested that we give Halloween tours in the shack. <laughs> we're not certain that it's a human uh, dwelling out there. Um. Yeah, no, it looks... I don't even think it has anything in it. it but, you know, there was that famous book and movie, The Shack. You know about this, right? I don't. Fill me in. Yeah, me neither. Uh, it's, about a, it's a book about this guy whose daughter was killed, and he went to the, the shack in the woods in the forest to, to fight God and get mad at God. Yes. And there he discovered God. Yeah, it was like, a real, it's like one of the most popular books of all time. So, so God lives in the shack. Could be. <laughs> so the spirit of the good Lord lives in the shack. Who knows? Find out. We'll take the tour on the pod coming up <laughs> on the next edition. No, we're going to talk about some college football today. We're going to talk about what Joe is doing in the mornings now. Talk about some high school football because I know that yeah. is. Yeah, listen, man, we do it all here on I the like 615 sessions. We're going to have <laughs> right up your alley. a big time, but we have to start with a little bit of breaking news that we don't normally get on the podcast. And that story broken by whom, Joseph? It was a release by Vanderbilt. Released by Vanderbilt. Their athletic director. Okay. And Malcolm it's... Turner. Yeah, he, Malcolm Turner issued a statement. I'm yeah. not on the statement email for Vanderbilt. Well, I had it here. Larry Leathers. It. Truly disrespectful. Despite spending every Saturday at home with them. Right. Uh, <laughs> so... Derek Mason going to receive another year from Vanderbilt after all the trials and trepidations of this season that saw them go up 14-3 to against Kentucky most recently and get just absolutely stomped. They have not looked competitive for the majority of the year. Just what do you guys I think like about I like Derek this? Mason. I think it's an awful move because tell me, how do you sell me on 2020? What do you sell me going forward? Where is the promise there with them? Explain Nothing. it to me. And then he tells you that, and look, again, we all like Derek Mason. He said at SEC Media Days, he's got some great quarterbacks on this squad. And then he said last week, or Saturday, we don't, we don't have any quarterbacks on this team. You cannot, you cannot have as much time as he did to get ready for the end of Shermer and this be the result. 
Like, that's just kind of the way that I justify this thing. And you look at Riley Neal, and I mean, I don't know what I thought about a Ball State transfer quarterback before the year, but I'm like, eh, okay, maybe they know know something that I don't. And then 84 yards passing again on Saturday, a stat line similar to what he does on a regular basis. And it's just – and the the, the problem, like, anytime you look at these coaches – when you start to look at whether their job should be evaluated, the thing that they're bad at this year is the thing that the coach is supposed to be good at. Yeah. That's Where's been the defense? The case for a while, though. That's been the case for a couple of years, and the coordinator situation is just horrendous as well. And Mason's going to back his guys all the time. He's made that very clear in his press conferences. There's no type of coaching change he's interested in on his own staff, which – I know, I know a lot of coaches tend to be more loyal and do that, yeah. but sometimes that's what gets them fired in the first place. That's correct. Find me a coach who has been six years with a losing record that still has his job. He's never had a winning record in Nashville. Never. 14 through 19. And you're coming off James Franklin, three of the most successful years in Vanderbilt history, and now you've had six years of losing seasons. You're going to have a seven. There's nothing going to sell me on next year that they're going to do better. No. Nothing. So why, what, what is, what can possibly, can we find any logic for them to make this move other than Malcolm Turner just wants to get to know the guy? There's, su- there's somebody or something told Malcolm Turner, keep Derek Mason. I don't know if it's a big buyout or if somebody likes Derek Mason, booster-wise. There's something telling him because he went out of the box and hired Jerry Stackhouse. Right. Jerry Stackhouse wasn't qualified for that job. I mean, you look at all the qualifications of a college basketball coach and you've been in another program. He was a G League coach. I think Stackhouse is a fantastic hire. Mm-hmm. I think it's marvelous. So I thought Malcolm Turner would go outside the box with this, but now he's keeping – I just don't get it, man. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't. What And, and when, when you watch them, that's what stumps me completely. I mean, how do you – the best game, the best performance you have against Missouri, you're the, how's your third string quarterback the best one out of the room? And how did you not see that beforehand? That's been Great my point. biggest question. Yes. Mark. I just don't get it. And now he's injured and he can't come back. So But it's the things he says after press conferences or in the post game moment with our friend Don Davenport where he's saying, you know, not no, but not everybody is cut out for this job. Yeah. And then you come back this week and you're saying, well, Football, college football programs ebb and they flow or whatever. I'm paraphrasing, oh, obviously. Yeah. But it's you can't say this no. six years in. Like that, it, it's it's the most, it's the worst of the cliches when it comes to football, but it's excuse making right. to the highest degree. And I just, again, everybody likes the guy. He's, He's an like energetic he, person. You hear his press conference, you're like, all right, where are we going with this? And it's like he gets ahead of himself. And the whole thing about wins come in waves. If I'm a fan, I don't want to hear that. I no. want to hear that you're working hard to win every week, not in waves. So when that wave crashes, you're like, all right, I got to wait two years for another wave to come in to carry me to a victory. I don't get it. You know, it's, a coach told me one time ago, he said, in a job, always stay one step ahead of the jailer. And I was like, what? He's like, if you know you're going to get fired and the next year's not good, go find a job someplace else. Derek Mace is not going to do that because now he's got the backing of these guys. He doesn't have to. Exactly. There's no really sense of urgency. The urgency should have been here five years ago. It's not around. And if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, I, today's not a good day. When you talk about coaches getting ahead of themselves, it seems like a lot of them put themselves in that position. Now, it, it oftentimes goes to the other extreme where they're saying so precious little. Like, I don't, I mean, we all witnessed our first Bill Belichick press conference 
uh, this training camp with him being in the building and how just unbelievably miserable that is. But like Vrabel, I love reading Vrabel transcripts after the press conference. (laughs) (laughs) Because did you guys catch him yesterday? A little bit. This man is talking about not peeing on your shoes and and million-dollar racehorses being like NFL teams. And I don't know if the bye week just got him a little loose and he's trying some new material. But I'm reading through the transcript yesterday. I'm like, what the actual hell did we <laughs> did we do yesterday? Yeah. How often why why do coaches go down this path? Like, is it just that they're talking to us too much? It could be. The fact they get comfortable with you guys and try to uh, Fisher did that during the last of like three years of his career here. He got very comfortable and would say things. And to me, with Fisher at that point, I was like, Hey, I think he knows the end is near because he got real buddy-buddy with a lot of people. Now, Vrabel, obviously, it's a different thing because he's in his second year, but I, I read those things, too, and I laugh at the questions because it's like a real deep thought. The next question be like, who's returning punts this week? <laughs> Just the ebb and flow of the transcripts make me laugh, man. He's <laughs> Football coaches are fascinating people to me, and him in particular because you could see how it was starting to fray. Before Kansas City. Yeah. Like oh, there yeah. was legitimate stuff going on there. Derek Mason, we've seen it come to a head as well. And I just, I, I understand that they're under pressure in these jobs. Yeah. But the seriousness with which football coaches take their jobs is so fascinating to me. Like punt returners. Like it's a state secret. Every time you got to talk to these guys about these things and just it... To watch them wind themselves into circles and to go back and read it after the fact, it's always funny to me. But Mike Vrabel was feeling it a little bit there, too, for a while. Well, it is. You know, and you see the evolution. I've been here. I've been covering this team since 97. So I've seen. He says with a sigh. <laughs> I saw, like when Fish, like speaking of covering the team, when Fish was here during two-a-days, you could cover every play. He'd walk over and he'd, he'd, you'd see him sashay over because he had that little walk, that swagger. He'd come over and be like, uh, yeah, turn your cameras off for this one. And he'd walk off. That's all he would say. So you would know not to shoot that play. Then he'd walk back over, take him like two minutes. He's like, uh, you turn it back on. And then he'd walk. That's all he'd say. Yeah. But you would know not to shoot that. And now, Lord Almighty, you get, I get, if I see Jarrell Casey's butt crack one more time and stretching, that's one time too many, man. That's all you get anymore. That's all we get anymore. And for some way, that's, that's enough now because we're used to it. Yeah. It's yeah, it becomes the rule. I mean, there's no exception to it. You it's a very limited sense of knowing this team. Um it's I find it I mean like you don't get to really observe them or know what they've no. got up their sleeve or kind of know what to expect or are things changing. I mean, it, uh, covering cover it's a very tight-lipped well, it is, and that's the thing is that the the coverage is restricted. Like in 2001, when Drew Bennett was trying to make this football team, he had a good preseason game, so we were able to go out to practice and we would shoot this video of Brent, Drew Bennett, get to know him, undrafted quarterback at UCLA, nobody heard of, and he made the team, and he ended up making a fortune, and he had a good little career in the NFL. Now, if there's a, like Khalif Raymond, yes, right, I think he's a great story. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great athlete. But if I want to go out and do a feature on him, I can't. What I get him stretching? Yeah, I want to see him out playing, interacting. So there are, yeah, what was me? The media, I get all that stuff. But sometimes because of this, we can't really get to see and know the player like we should. Oh, it's the training camp rule, right? Where we're not allowed locker room access. And this is, again, not to go down this rabbit hole because we've covered this, uh, I feel like, all of us in some right. form or fashion <laughs> uh, ad nauseum. But it's it, there, are, there are opportunities like Ethan Wolf from Tennessee 
when he's on the Titans roster or stock still who was uh, working out yeah. with them in mm-hmm. tryouts. You don't have the ability to talk to these guys nope. and get those unique little stories that have local ties Perfect. that can be much bigger uh, in the atmosphere. How does that differ though, Tatum? Cause you've spent some time obviously covering college football. How does the environment covering college football and these coaches differ from a professional football environment or is it similar? It depends on the program. It's it's it really does. And and I you know I've covered LSU from afar, so I wasn't in there every single week. But smaller schools, they are more than happy to have you come in. You can do whatever stories right. you need to do. They'll sit down with you. Very arms open. I think as as more larger the program you start to cover, the more media coverage they get from national media and things like that. It starts to get a little bit more difficult. I think you could say. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a tricky situation because you do want to do these feature stories, like you said, getting to know these players more, not just having to hear them say over and over again, we're working hard this week, we've got the Jags, it's going to be a tough team to play, we lost to them already, blah, 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 where, you know, you, you want to get something a little different, but it's it's your hands are tied. You, you, you have to jump through so many hoops to make sure that stuff kind of happens. It's just a funny lacking in self-awareness that the Titans need to be covered like a small school and they refuse to acknowledge, yeah. acknowledge that they're well, a I, small you know, school. I hated the week uh, when Tenny Hill's father-in-law passed away because that was a story that was kind of not only talked about. And I made that my lead story on the news, and I hated doing that. But it was personal. There was a side of Tenny who was like, this guy was a great man, and you know, and we all loved him. It's a legitimate like, human moment. Here we go. And so I had to get that in a soundbite at a podium and pick a picture off of Instagram. But that was a rare moment where you get the emotional side of, you know, hey, we had third and eight, had to get nine yards for first down. You had this, he was gone way too soon. I mean, I was 55 years old, whatever it was. And, you know, my wife and all, it was a good, I don't say a good soundbite, but it was a good chance to see him more than just a quarterback, he's one of us. He's just a human being. And I hated that was my lead story, but that's all I had. That was the emotional part of all that. I hated oh, it. It's, all, it's all so polished now, and they make sure that everything, at least with outward-facing appearances, are so manicured for PR purposes. Yeah. And this, that, and the other. How does that change how you guys have to do your job, though, as TV people? Because that's obviously evolved over the course of both the NFL becoming more restricted and more, right. you know, we want to make sure that we're presenting a, a yeah. an always family, if at least looking good in terms of optics, if not actually being good as we've seen over the course. Right. Of the well, I, I, this Tatum one day, you would you had gotten there like I had a little late to a press conference, mm-hmm. and you were going to the locker room. There's a lot going on that day, and you said, "Are you going to the locker room?" And I said, "I'm not going in." <laughs> and you're like, "Why?" I said, "Because I've realized only people I want to hear from are the head coach and the quarterback. Sure. So I'm not going to the locker room." And uh, I think I might have convinced you that day. I felt bad not to go in the locker room no, as well. It's, uh, well. Well, I mean, I'm always by myself. If we're going to encourage negligence, it needs to be here yeah. on this podcast. I'm, I'm always by myself. Right. And so for me, doing it all is just sometimes it gets a little monotonous. Yes. And, and boring. And, and I, I shouldn't say boring because that's, again, that's not very fair. But um, no, it, a lot of times I go into the locker room. I spend 20 minutes interviewing players or whatnot and then I go back to the work and I have three and a half minutes to fill and why I didn't even use the locker room sound yeah you know so like you always like you always get too much almost and so sometimes you know 
sometimes you catch good moments, like when Delaney popped off that one day. Um, you get like, you know, certain moments, mm-hmm. I think, in the locker room. But for the most part, it's just kind of the same old, same old. It depends on what story you want to do that week, too. That's I a think, big key with that. I think a big key is knowing what you need to, what you want to talk about that day so you know who to talk to. Or knowing who's going to talk that day because it becomes such a routine that Derek talks Thursdays, Bayard talks Wednesdays. Like, you you know, you kind of like manipulate your schedule. It works that way. way. I did a thing when, in 07, the year... Times had gone through a couple of rough years, and Fisher was there. It's the year they went to the wildcard plus, could be about the Chargers. So I did a thing three weeks in a row when I was at Channel 2. I told the guy I was with, a guy named Chris Stout, who's Stacy Case at Fox, and that's her yeah, husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best co-worker I've ever had in my life. The guy was fantastic. And I said, hey, I said I was doing Wednesdays. I said, for the next three weeks, I'm going to run the same Jeff Fisher soundbite. And see if anybody notices. Stop. And I ran the same Jeff Fisher soundbite from like week five all the way into week nine. I did it week five, six, seven, and eight. So four weeks I did. Same Jeff Fisher soundbite. <gasps> no way. Nobody <laughs> said a word. That's like when you guys get to wear the same suit every single day and nobody pays attention. Yes, I've done that. Mm-hmm. For like 30 yeah. days in a row. Must be nice. Yeah. So that's what I did. Nobody, nobody noticed it. I'm still so salty. <laughs> nobody said anything about the Fisher thing and... So it's one of those things where that's why when the Tannehill thing, and I hate it, but when you get to the personal side of these guys, you know, the Logan Ryan and he loves the animals and the dog, that's kind of, that's different, you know? Mm-hmm. My favorite story I think I've done with this new regime was I got in the locker room one day and I did, the Pope was coming. And my story was, if the Pope came to Nashville, where would you take him? And the responses <laughs> for the players was fantastic. Yes. Was fan, and so Ch- Chance Warmack couldn't remember if the Pope wore a hat or not. And that really swayed his decision on where they should go. It inhibited him because of what? Just because of the height of the hat? Just or the, the hat. Because he didn't want the hat to get dirty. Oh. So that oh, he's like, maybe okay. we can go to a pizza place. But you know, if you've got the hat, it gets dirty. And I kept coming back to Chance Warmack like, well, what if he doesn't have the hat? What if he does have? So you're able to get mm-hmm. a kind of fun thing, but that's very rare. That's very rare to do that, but my boss loved it, and so I was good for that day. Who's the most interesting or, like, like you talk about your favorite story that you've done or a, a story that good, got good engagement out of the people who you're trying to talk to? What, what interaction stands out to you guys over the course of your career with, like, a player or a story that you've done interesting? Like, who's a really good personality that you guys have gotten to? Be around. Oh, I, I'm gonna have to think. I'm putting time. you guys on the spot. Yeah. That's fine. I got to go with. You have a good one. Yeah, Cal uh, Vandebosch when he was here was fantastic. Keith Bullock was wonderful. Yes, these guys did not care what anybody on the 31 other teams thought about them. Vandebosch was wonderful. I did think of Vandebosch one time. There he's going against Joe Thomas with the Browns, and I said, "Well, Joe Thomas, you know, good." And Vandebosch like, "I don't care. I don't care. He's just another guy. I got to go. I got to beat on Sunday." I said, well, he's, you know, Wisconsin. He's, he's Venomosh like, look, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care who it is. It could be you out there. I'm going to go out there and beat that guy. And it was just kind of that swagger, that confidence. He was always a good soundbite. Bullock was the same way. was always really good with the soundbite of he got, he told you not what you wanted to hear, what you needed to hear. And I think that really hit my head. Like, this is kind of cool. The only exposure I've had to Keith Bullock is Sunday against the Chiefs in the press box. Keith was upset that we weren't watching football as passionately as Keith <laughs> likes to fo- watch football. And so he immediately stormed out and went to watch football was elsewhere. That last, well, that was last That was last right? Sunday. And okay. then he used my painted nail emoji on Twitter 
And I was made aware of the fact, and so I had to call him out on We had a good interaction on Twitter. Tatum. I I really, really loved covering Les Miles. Um, oh. I mean, the guy was just... He's an insane person. Yeah, and, and you know who else is... And, and this is also... I know I'm being a homer here, but like I really enjoyed Paul Maneri. I mean... The guy is just a brutal, uh the LSU baseball coach. Oh, okay. He's um that's a whole nother. She just said that like there. it was common knowledge. She just laid <laughs> know, it down right? on the table. I forget you where guys I'm at. know, right? Yeah. LSU's baseball. Right. Coach. I forget where I'm at. No, no. But <laughs> it's just one of those just guys that has so much knowledge and I felt like I learned something every time he spoke. But with Les Miles, I mean, it was just character all the time. Um and and I liked I liked how he was honest. He was he was he never really he, he he knew what he was doing. He would talk you in circles, and he would not answer your questions sometimes, but then sometimes he would give, like, a really honest answer. He just never knew what you were going to get. That'd be fun covering him he, just because. Yeah, he's just a nut. Just because he's going to say stuff. I and, and this is recency bias. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too terribly experienced in other locker rooms. Like, the Titans locker room, yeah. primarily where I have been. But I think that my favorite person, and I'm going to see, I'm interested to see what you guys think of this. Lawan is my favorite person to cover. Uh, I think he's calculated, and I think it's all a show. I feel like a lot of people feel that way, and I'm curious about that because maybe maybe I'm just not seeing it because I want I want interesting, sure. yeah. and he's willing to put on that show. What do you see in Lawan that makes it come off that way? I just think it's more of a. I don't think it's a PR move like when he got pop for the roids or whatever he had. Uh, he goes on Ostering. Yeah, he goes on the bus and I just thought it was crocodile tears. Yeah. And not a single person I know was like, Oh, he looks hard they're all like, Oh, he got busted, now here comes the Mia Culpa tour and that's what we kinda have. But I I've seen that before in locker rooms. I just I think it's all a show. But it's great I get the soundbite part of that. So do you think he's not like that? If you were to just like be friends with him, like what do you mean? But I guess you know I think he's a big goofball, probably with his buddies. But I don't, I don't, I think with these sound bites, I get like, ugh, I try not to use anything he says. I'm, I'm a little tired of the like, it's all on me thing. Yeah. I feel like those are empty words. He, the more that I look at it, because I always appreciate that he's willing to think about what you're asking him. Like even if it's gonna be, even if he's gonna be a dick in his response, like at least he's processing what you're saying to him, and then he'll either give you an intelligent answer or a well-thought-out, well, you know, go F yourself. Right. He, though, I think is so concerned about public perception of him in every way that I think that what I'm seeing is, okay, this is going to be a good... What what you're pointing out, I'm just not paying as close attention to Let me ask you this. Is he a friend of yours? No. Do you have his cell phone number? I don't know. Okay. I don't think I, 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 think, I don't know if I could say. And we, we always laugh about the fanboy media because it's a joke like that. And so I think sometimes new guys, because I, I kind of got that when I started in the locker. I was like, hey, I want to be, hey, I'm buddy buddy with yeah. Eddie George, you know. And I, then I had to step back, like, look, man, I'm a reporter covering this team. I don't want to be your friend. But I see in today's age with social media how that all kind of comes together. So, but I don't, but the thing with Lawan is, I just, I think like Tate, it's like a lot of that's empty to me. It's just like, I don't think he believes it. See, and that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of an interesting to go down like a media rabbit hole, but that's why people come here. They want interesting conversations yeah. from us sure. about the things that we do for a living. Cause we get to interact with these guys sure. and this is a little bit of a behind the scenes thing. It was, I, I had never covered professional athletes before. Like this is my first time covering a locker room. 
like that. First, uh, for the first probably six months, scared of all of them. Terrified to say anything to them because they're all my age and they're all bigger and scary professional athlete, multi-million dollar, yeah. you know, people who I have seen on television and from afar for so long. But then once you get in there and you realize, oh no, they play Call of Duty like I play Call of Duty. That's right. And they are just kind of, they have the same like issues that a 26 year old like me has or that a 32 year old or whatever the case may be. But then there's trying to figure out, okay, now what's the line with them? Because I'll, I'll have an interaction and I'll, and like, I don't know if they understand in the same way that it is my job to, that it is our job to be able to have a productive working relationship with them without them being friends. Like I can, I can have a conversation with you in the locker room. I'm also going to rip your ass when you get back-to-back penalties in a game that submarines your team's drive. Yeah, sure. But then, you know, I'll be in the locker room the next day if you want to tell me to go to hell to my face. At least I'm there. That's kind of the way that I justify it. But it's it's a weird dynamic yeah. to kind of navigate. Well, it's a lot of these players now search their name on, a lot on, of on Twitter. And they'll, they, <laughs> I got into it with, God rest his soul, Rob Baronis one time. He, Monday Night Football game, they're going out to play the Jets, and he couldn't find his helmet on the sidelines. And I tweeted, hey, Rob, maybe Munchak should glue that helmet on your big head so you don't lose it. So 3 o'clock in the so morning. Disrespectful. So disrespectful. Yes. <laughs> so they had to call a timeout so he'd find his helmet. So they won the game. So 3 o'clock in the morning, I get this, man, stop doing that. Don't read that stuff. It'll drive you crazy. He said, I apologize, but I was mad. And I got home, and I was still awake. I said, I get it. But it's all unjust for us. Don't read that. I think a lot of players now – because your friend Kuharski has, has set off some players in the locker room. The Wesley Woodyard thing a few weeks ago. And... That was the I, I had a lot of fun that day observing the locker room. See, I don't know. I don't know how much people know about that because it ultimately led to the cancellation of the Logan Ryan show. And Paul's come on this pod and talked about it. Right. Obviously, talked about it on the midday one eighty. But you know, there's a difference in how I think everybody tries to go about their jobs. Like I'm gonna. When I'm in there, I'm looking for more that like it's the more than an athlete story. Sure. Right? I wanna I in the same way that you're talking about humanizing Ryan Tannehill and how rare that is for a quarterback, yeah. especially, to have those moments, that's what I'm kinda looking for. I know that Paul is there to hammer them over the head with shit they don't want to talk about the majority of the time. And he just doesn't and a lot of us there it's a it's a legitimate a legitimately difficult line try and navigate when your personality is the way it is and you're going about your job as you would but then all of a sudden somebody doesn't hear exactly what you're what you're saying to them i.e. Wesley Woodyard and Paul and then you have a legitimate kind of confluence of yeah of disaster yeah. about to meet and it becomes legitimately contentious and then it becomes players versus the media it's not good well Lawan has done this before where he's like you ask a question he's like you play football I said, yeah. He said, what high school? I said, no, I played in college. And then his demeanor changed with me. Like, oh, okay, you, you made it to that next level. You're not to my level because I'm the best, but you made it to that next level where we can kind of talk a little bit. And so it was kind of weird at that moment because he stopped. He would do that to people. You play football? Where Do you, do you play football? That's his thing he would do if you would criticize him. So now he's gotten past that because mm-hmm. like, knows I'm going to get criticized. But again, I see where – the media versus the player and reflects on all of us. But that Koharski thing with Wesley Woodyard, 
I know they're not going to do anything. I know Wizzy Winner's not going to jack his jaw because that becomes a national story. And we, you know, we rolled on. The Titans got mad at us. We rolled on every second of that. Yeah. And one of the PR people was like, what are you going to do? What happens? I'm like, we got it. This is you guys need to stop this. And honestly, not Paul us. was probably grateful in that moment because if something had happened. Yeah. I mean, as much as they manage what we do in locker rooms and what access we have to the team, it did surprise me that that went on as long as it did. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the PR, and they were I'm, all circling back, like, behind us. <laughs> like, you need to get over there and take I, care yeah, of that. I, I was a little confused by that. And it was Lawan and Darren Bates that broke it up, to their credit. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. not the two U and P. Yeah. No, not the first two that would come to mind. Um, Do you ever get, fights. and, you know, forgive me for giving you the, the, the token woman in sports question. But You know, do, Buck, I kind of knew this was coming. No, I'm just kidding. No, well, listen. That's, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. No, but no, do, they ever, do they ever patronize you that way? Like Joe's talking about where, where Lawan no. is busting him up. Did you ever play football? Or- no, I don't think they can. I mean, I don't think he could ask me that. And, and seriously, right? I mean, I've never been. No, no one's ever patronized me before. Um, I've been. Look, I and I say this to everyone who asks me questions about being a female in the sports world or whatnot. I have been so lucky, like so lucky that I've never really ran into a lot of these horrific stories that women have about their interactions with athletes or coaches or anyone in the media industry. I've just been really lucky, and um, I I haven't encountered anything negative um, out of the experience. I mean, yeah, I mean, people pop off about stuff on Twitter, or they'll just kind of... But no one else, no one said anything to my face about it. Um, I've just been, like I said, nothing's been inappropriate, but I think think a lot of that has to do with the way that you handle yourself. And I always tell women that come up, try and come up in the media, like you, it's how you handle yourself professionally in the professional environment and then they take you seriously they don't see that you're here for the instagram likes or right. so you can take a picture and i'm mostly there for the instagram there. likes <laughs> well remember the cam newton thing that female reporter asked him about last year two years ago about yeah that was a little a cover two zone or he's like what do you know about a cover two zone and the the blowback he got from that yeah. was just unbelievable but he deserved every bit of that oh 1000 yeah. percent. and that's the thing again you know you don't play the game i mean come on no, how many of us played in the nfl yeah. in this room nobody not yeah. one you know so don't get in play current again all right so i i don't i i I've long past all that of right. the nonsense from the locker room guys long past at what point do you become jaded to things like that though <laughs> <laughs> because like <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like it's, I mean, it's just, an, it's you know, it's like everything. It's an evolution. Can I but. tell you, I haven't been in that locker room. I went in the locker room and Luan came back from suspension because I knew, and I've told Tatum this, I was jaded from the same response, the same answer, the same, we got to do better, tough opponent this week. I know all that, you yeah. know? And I just didn't, I'm like, I got enough from Vrabel because I think he's full of nonsense most times. And then Mariota would somehow do this and that, would get a little something out of him. And that's all it would mean. And that's when I told Tatum, look, nobody, I was trying to get Tatum on my side. Like, nobody cares about the locker room. Don't go in there. Don't make me be the only one that's not going to go in there. So I've been jaded for a while, which is not good for my job, which is not good. It, it doesn't bode well for me. How do you, how do you fight against something like that, though? Because that's, like a, th- that's you, like a thing that we all have to come to. Like, at some point... 
all of us have been like, really? Yep. Another press conference. And again, this is not the woe is me media podcast, <laughs> but these are, you know, these are things that people are legitimately curious about. In fact, I'm curious about like, how do you stem those, those instances when they arise? Uh, I mean, I think it's about finding the stories because for yeah. me, like if I've got a good story to tell, it's amazing how much more effort I will put into a story, a package, a, a script or something. If it's something that is like in, different to me. I know viewers are going to be engaged watching it or listening to it or whatever they do. And and I mean, for me, it's just like you have to just it's it's a constant struggle to just not not necessarily struggle. It's not like terrible, but like, right. <laughs> like, again, not woe is me. But like it, it is. It's trying to find the story that piques your interest, because at the end of the day, I think viewers are people like us. So if, it, if you find it interesting yeah. and it inspires you, that's what you need to do. But I mean, I think. The whole jaded thing. I mean, for me, I just have to like it, it dig deep and try and be creative dig because. Deep. <laughs> well, that's know? the thing. There, there are stories in the locker room you can find. It's uh, that's the thing is I get to the point where, like I don't care anymore. That's the worst. There are all like one time Drew Casey spoke about. I guess his brother was in prison. Yeah, and he wanted to help get jobs for these guys. And I thought that was really cool. That was a good story to do because it it took him out of that box. Uh, one time I did a story where I, I kept shooting practice and every time this is when Wisnut was here, Mariota would make a nice pass. Wisnut would fist bump him. He would do that to nobody, Mettenberger, nobody else. They'd fist bump. So I got like 30 shots of fist bumping and I'd go back and I'd Wisnut and I said, Hey, every time Mariota makes a nice pass, you give him a fist. Well, I don't do that. I've never done that. I'm thinking I got 30 <laughs> clips of this. So I did a story and I asked Mariota. Mario was like, "Oh yeah, it feels good. The head coach gave me a fist bump." But Wisenhunt vehemently denied it, and I was like, "This is going to be." There's a Bruder film. So I had, yeah. So I had Wisenhunt like, "I don't do that," you know, fist bump. And, <laughs> and Mario was like, "Yeah, it's great." So it was like a minute thirty. It was goofy, dumb, irreverent. Yeah. But it was something like, "I'm gonna have fun with this." And so my juices got flowing. Yeah. The package aired, and the very next day, Wisenhunt said, "Well, I guess I do fist bump him." And I was like, and I turned around and said, you do watch. He's like, here and there. I was like, <laughs> nice. you do watch. I get this. So like Tatum said, when you find a story that's different, that's non-X's and O's, I'm there all day for that, man. Yeah. What's what's the balance of like that reverence of sports? Because people are super like, super, I mean, it's, it's, it's cult-like. The way that people interact with sports and the content. Because I get all kinds of hell Anytime that I go, and you know, I'm dumb and I'm on Twitter and I'm saying all kinds of stupid stuff that I shouldn't say, but I, you know, I like to kind of make more fun of sports because sport, it's, we work in the, in the equivalent of the adult playground for you guys. How difficult is it? Or is there a balance in trying to maintain like the proper reverence that you're showing to sports and not veering, I guess, are there times that you're discouraged from coloring outside the lines because of the content? Never. I, I, I could do whatever I wanted to do as long as I fill my time in TV. Yeah. I mean, don't be... There's a difference. I tell Justin Beasley this. There's a vast difference between dumb and stupid. You can be dumb all day long. Don't be stupid. So when you cover this team, find those goofy, dumb, fun stories and tell them in a way that doesn't really make them look stupid. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. So you, because they're, I mean, they're, you know, I'm not, I'm not attacking your character. I'm just trying to tell a fun little story with all that. So it's a fine line. Now there are some sports people in town who are just X's and O's, X's and O's, and that's it. And that's fine because that's their mo. I'm that's what they wonder. That's good. I'm not that way. And I never was that way. Those aren't my people. No. Oh no, I'm I'm yeah. That's probably not mine too. I like the feature stories. I like the human element of sports, which is why. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen you to get into compliments it. on stories you've done you before. Have. Like, that's a pretty good story. Nice. That's a good story. Because I think all too often we get in this thing like, that person's a bitch or that, that guy's a jerk. I mean, it goes on and on. And I don't think we lift each other up enough. And I'm not saying we're Joel Osteen of the world. But if I see Tatum does something good, you had a good live shot with that Nissan Stadium for Halloween or whatever, something. I don't even try to remember. And I was like, that's a great way to tell the story. Thanks. So I always try to do that, something really nice, because I never got that. And I thought that'd be kind of good for, to, to and I do other people in town the same way. Uh, I do Kayla. But I'll send I am her his notes. favorite. It, it would, it <laughs> listen. Or John Burton. I'll send him a nice oh, yeah. note and say, that's a good job. And I think, and I, and we'll move on here shortly from from so, so inside baseball to like stories that are happening right now, and we'll we'll talk about the the varying importance of them. Um, but it is it is unique about Nashville, I think, in the way that I mean, we're all like friends. Yeah, I think we're not like friends. Mo- most of us are friends. The vast majority of us interact well, and yeah. Paul's tough to love. <laughs> I right. love Paul. But I know that there there are times when there's a little bit of conflict, but even then it's all it's almost all supportive and it's one of the most unique markets I think in that regard. It is. You know, it's funny about Paul. I've always said the the 1045 should put a billboard up in town that it would be great. There's a picture of Paul with his arms crossed and it says, "He hates you and doesn't care." <laughs> Paul Kaharski, 10 to 1, or whatever their time is, 10 to 2. <laughs> Just, I mean, embrace that 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 uh, character that you are. Embrace that and really get it out there. And so those are fun. But, again, I think we all – now, I'll try to beat you on a story. It's nothing against you or you. You're the same way. But it's not like I get like, ha-ha, I would never do that. Like, no. Hey, I got lucky. I got the story, and that's it. We are. We have to work in the same vicinity, right. and I never understood people that get like that, like uh. really secretive and competitive. Because I'm, I'm like you. I do. I, I'm, I'm excited when other people are able to do the job well. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it only makes you better because you have to. I mean, you're, we are all probably very competitive because we're in this industry, and so you kind of start to feel like, well, I got to step up my game if they're this good, or that's a good article right there i like you know very well written. how do i, I get the thing that they yeah, have exactly. how do i do better because they're doing better sure. it's, a, it's a legitimately it cool is. environment stories though in in terms of importance tatum's all decked out in her lsu <laughs> gear it's the I have top. to come you know good for you listen rep it hard <laughs> in order of importance these three stories what the titans just did against kansas city and jacksonville coming up what just happened to Tua on Saturday or just LSU in general is the number one team in the country. Likely, by the time these people hear this on the podcast, going to remain the number one team in the country tonight when the rankings come out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think they will. I don't, I don't think that's... You want me to rank the stories? Which then? one of the... Like, where are we in terms of the importance of these stories? Because what happened with Tua on Saturday, I think that changes the entire sports landscape in, in both college and the NFL. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack with the Tua situation. I mean, first and foremost, like, 
you gotta, I mean, you just feel so bad for him. Yeah. You don't want, I mean, even as an LSU fan or or any anyone that doesn't like Alabama can look at that situation and just, your heart goes out to him, his family, his likely, his livelihood. I mean, there's a chance he will never play the same ever again. True. I, I would and, and, and it's, and it's, he, and I'm, I, I, we could sit here and probably talk all day. Should he have been in the game? Shouldn't he have been in the game? Blah. You know, you can beat that topic down for hours probably. But at the end of the day, it's just. Yeah. No player so wants to come out of the game. I, I've no player ever wants to come out of the game. I don't, I've never so seen So you that. think Tua waved Saban off when they tried yeah. to pull him? No, he did. Yeah, yeah, I think he did not want to come out of the game. No player wants to. That's the same problem I got when a team wins. Uh, There's a high school team, Oakland, won 84 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, I can't believe you. And my thing is, all right, you're the third team lineman. You've practiced all through two a days, and you're hot, and you want to get in the game. Are you going to lay down? You're going to go out there no, and play. Yeah. It's You should stop me, not me stop myself. And then so that's what about the player thing. People want to, these guys want to play to get in the game. As far as the Titans-Chiefs go – I, I'm always wrong on predicting games, but covering this team long enough, they win one game a year like that. I think the team ends up going six and ten, and I think they beat Jacksonville. And they lose the last four games. I'm one thousand percent agree with and you. I, they, but they always win that one. They've always won that one game every yeah. year. And you know, and I predicted the Chiefs. I'm always wrong, but I predicted that game. They'll beat Jacksonville. Then they go to Colts. They go to Oakland. They get the Saints coming here. They get Houston. It's not set up good for them. I think they go six and ten, but they win that one game because it keeps the problem. Like, well, you know, we last year we beat the Patriots. They Still, in the mix, yeah. Still in the mix, baby. Still in the mix. So <laughs> I think there's a lot that goes on there, and I think they beat Jacksonville on Saturday, on Sunday, but they finished six and ten. Yeah, I mean the the storyline for the Titans this season has been very vaguely, and I've only covered them. This is my second season. It, it just feels like the same. Like we're in the same situation we were in last season. Like oh, don't it's tell a me that. It's a blueprint, and I I I'm with Joe. I don't have a lot of faith in them down the stretch. So I think that as opposed to last season, we were like, oh, let's get in that locker. Let's talk to these guys. Yeah. We're back against the wall. We've got you know we'll win five straight. Whatever. I don't see that happening this year. So I think we're gonna see the opposite of like like what well, well that's the only thing that'll be different from last from there's last a season. different vibe this two, 2019 team 2019 team the 2017 team the 2017 team was hungry in a weird way mm-hmm. they were just like all right we're tired of this we're going to go in a playoff and they won a playoff game right then you fire malarkey so if you don't make the playoffs this year you can look a hard look at what john robinson's done with this team Bringing Vrabel in there, I mean, you're you're not where you were two years ago. You've regressed, I think, significantly. Yeah, the roster's better. Whatever. They won a playoff game. This team had not won a road playoff game in 14 yeah. years, and yes. they win a playoff game. And you, Malarkey, as days go by, looks better and better and better and better. And I know there was a lot of thing with him, and I want to get rid of Rubisky. And I get, I understand that. But if you're going to change, you want to change for the better, and I haven't seen the better. Mm-mm. Uh, it's so much for good to great, huh? <laughs> Another thing, don't give your let the fans give you a motto or logo. Don't give it yourself. Oh, and they came out with it like oh. strapped across the fences at St. Thomas Sports Park. I'm like, that is going to be an anchor <laughs> yep. around your neck yep. for the rest of the year. As right. soon as you go out there on Thursday night football and poop your pants against the Jags, yep, because yep. that's what they do. Now, the, I mean, all of the stories that we are are, are we are getting ready to cover with the remainder of the college football season, the NFL season oncoming. I guess I'm just hopeful that the Titans matter 
because people will be interested in them and it, that's good for all of us. Uh, but the Tua thing, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would go to the draft this year if I'm him, just because you have no idea. Unless he is 100% sure, I would not let an NFL talent evaluator or any of their doctors anywhere near me if I thought that was going to cost me more in the long term. Like, it's a fascinating decision that he's got to make, given what the rest of the quarterbacks look like coming out this year and what 2020 will look like. With Trevor Lawrence, if he opts to stay, I don't know what the right decision for him is. I'd stay. I'd stay Would you? and go next year and prove that you can. He loves, from what I've gathered, I don't know the guy, but from reading and talking to people, he loves Alabama. Would they, there would have he to be per- parameters, though, for him. Like He's, it would, no spring game. No, you know, no, I'm back when I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. His family lives in Tuscaloosa. They picked up their lives in Hawaii and yep. they moved to Tuscaloosa. And his yeah, brother, brother, his younger brother's on the team yep. there. I mean, he is there. And, and I have heard that, you know, his, I don't even know where I heard this from. So I could be just, you know, grasping at straws here. But, and, or just scrolling through my Twitter feed, reading <laughs> someone's we do that. pointless tweet. <laughs> um, no, but, Probably mine. Yeah. <laughs> That like the the doctors know his situation in Alabama, and if he stayed there, it would be someone who knows his body for the past two or three years Good and have point. seen all of his injuries. And so the just the sheer comfort level of him being in Tuscaloosa with surrounded by a medical staff who knows his body may be beneficial as well because you're not being uprooted, going to a brand new city away from your family, trying to recover. Yeah, while the expectations obviously would be huge on you and and the pressure to come back i think in the nfl would be massive knowing he's this rookie that is yeah, just, did so well in college just take your time man there's no rush just take your t- everybody wants to see him go there's no rush and when that injury happened on saturday they're like well he saw it up in the bo jackson look bo jackson to me is the greatest would have been the greatest running back in the history of the NFL, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And that hip injury was brutal. And I remember he was playing the Bengals, and he they tackled him, and I remember his leg extended, and he saw that he laid down, and the announcer was like, looks like he injured a knee or something, and coming out that was his hip. He was never was the same again. But is this the same injury? We don't know. I, I saw a report saying it's not. Good. So hopefully he gets back, take a six – Eight months, whatever, rehab, and then come back next July. You'd be good Gee, to go. Gee, Tua for one more season. I'm excited as a fellow <laughs> Listen, you're going to be I'm fine. Kidding. Let him come you're back. Gonna, you're going to be just oh, fine. Oh, they have no one behind Burrow right now. Let's be real. This, oh! This, see, this is... This, with the takes! This offense, I mean, it is like night and day. I'm living my best life. I... Cannot, right. I never thought there would be a day where I wouldn't cringe when the LSU offense went on the field and the defense was. That's what I feel like uh, in Titans games. Yes. So I, I think, all right, so Teresa Walker is, I'm the AP top 25 voter this year in college football, one of 50. And man, the emails I Are get from people. Are you having fun? Yes and no. <laughs> I think you need to do it next year. College football is my bread and butter. My too. And you'll Oof, like it. One through it. one through ten's easy. Eleven through twenty five yeah. is brutal. Like I'm sure. The Indiana SID sent me a note last week, like, hey, IU for the first time. So I put them at twenty four. What do they do? They go out and lose, right? Yeah. So it's fun. It's a whole world, but the whole Tua thing in LSU, because I dropped Bam I I had my poll and then it mm-hmm. I, and my thing is you don't drop down if you win by a point. That was the whole thing. If you keep winning by a point, you're still winning. But I said halfway through the season, I'm going to reevaluate the teams. And I moved LSU up, dropped Bama down. And and these votes are all public. So they can go online and see how you voted. 
Bama fans. No, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> tortured me. I didn't realize it was tortured me. <laughs> oh. They went. So I didn't know the rat poison joke by Nick Saban. I don't oh, know the media, that. the media, what yeah. the media says is rat poison. So I got all this. I hope you get rat poison. So I went on Twitter. I'm like, this guy hopes I die. Yes. <laughs> so I, I didn't get the joke. You're being, uh, who's the guy who poisoned the trees at Auburn? Uh, 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 Harvey Up- Updike. Updike. Yeah. People were threatening go. to Harvey Updike. Yeah. So that's, I'm like, good. Lynn said, well, that's the same thing in rat poison. I get all that. But I think you should do, uh, you should do it. I don't know if I have because thick that, enough skin yeah, for that no, you job. Because after a moment, you start going back at people like here's the deal and then they don't come back at you at all but it's a fun thing to do now the basketball like 330 teams i'll pass on that no, all no, day no, long no, no, oh bury me in bad. it <laughs> oh, i wish i i that's I, I hope that vanderbilt basketball is good so i can start to i so people will start to care about college well, ask basketball. Teresa about being an ap top 25 college basketball voter i would love ask, to do that because i'm not she, yeah she she uh kayla did it last year kayla did it last year that's right mm-hmm. absolutely i'm not doing I that no no sign no. me because uh i think adam sparks one time did it and left off a team like at 15 and he got all this hate mail how could you do that it's it's, it's hard with there's only 130 teams in college football but there's really only like 30 that are relevant right yeah, and you know what's really interesting it's like the AP poll, I, as, a, as a very rabid LSU college football fan in general, I'm not going to, like, berate people for voting my team wrong. Like, I don't agree with your poll. I'm not going that, to. That's that's what Twitter starts to kind of wear on me. Personally. Oh, I'm see, I would so, I would so I would shred somebody. I would never berate anyone for that. I don't know. Well, and that's the good that's thing about opinion. the college football playoff poll. The AP, yeah. the AP is no part of that. No. Oh, I will berate the college football playoff committee. Until I'm blue in the face. Like, I do not care. I'm not going to do it on Twitter. But um, right. I like to... I'm, I'm a pretty private See, person with my opinions on things. I, I, I But but them? They? The, that? You people? Those people? Here, oh, I, I will. Remember this trivia question. Two things real quick. Archie Manning was on that committee, and he got off because of business thing he couldn't have. He got off because of what we're talking about. Because of getting all the hatred of like, how could you die? get off yep. that? I love this trivia question, too. Who was the first football team that was ranked first? The inaugural college football playoff blow that was first. Mississippi State. Great one. <laughs> you win money off that one day. Yep. Good job. She's correct. Nailed the dismount. Yes. I love it. Before we great. get out of here, because we do need to dismount, I've catch, kept you beautiful people for far too long. Oh, that's good. Uh, you- but there are there's so much complexity when it comes to covering the NFL and college football. High school football, though, is still there is still a degree of purity around it it would seem now obviously recruiting is one thing it's it starts to get complex if you start to dive into the 24 7 and max preps and thing like that but you guys both do a fantastic job for channel 4 and for channel 17 respectively at covering high school football here in tennessee how much do you guys enjoy that aspect of it friday night Live. this is that's joe's lifeblood he it loves is. it i go back to when i was in high school and I would run out of the foot because football was my life. And so I'd go out and I'd spot my mom. I was I would see mom up there and wave at her. And she took immense joy in high school football. So it's a weird story. I'll be quick with it. When she passed away, my brother called me and said, you need to come to the house. I got something to show you. And we found one of mom's old chest drawers and big cedar chest and said, open it and see what's in there. Oh, I've been through this before. I tell him, open it up. He goes, look there in the bottom right. And I open it up and it's this, it's this folder. And it's every article oh, wow. that I did in high school that she cut out. You know, and thank God I was a pretty decent football player in high school. 
in all these articles. That's awesome. That just, awesome. And I never saw them. Nothing about college football, nothing about my career working at TV. And I'm thinking, my God. So she took immense pleasure. So when I go out on Friday night, I'm thinking, there's a kid out there who's got a mom, who, dad, whatever, high school football. And this is their world. And they love this. And it's our duty to give back to them. And that's why I said a few weeks ago when the regular season ended, it always ended every year. I build in more time. And I say, kids, if you don't make the playoffs and your season's over tonight, don't be sad. Don't be mad. You became something greater than yourself for three or four years. Because you put that helmet on and snapped the chin strap, you'll have memories forever. And you'll go places because of what you experience because you sacrifice yourself for the greater good of a football team. Trust me. And so I every Friday night, I, I, I that to me, I always remember those kids and my mom. That's a thing of like, go out. Even if it's 30 seconds of one game, and we get like six or seven games, Fox 17 does a great job with y'all's coverage that somebody's going to watch and say, hey, that's my son. And every week I hear somebody, hey, that was my son, number 55 out there. It never fa- Every week it never fails. So they that's lo- why I love they, it. They, well, that was great, by the way. I'm like ready to run through a wall. <laughs> I was about to say, no, that was a whole degree of depth that I was <laughs> I, not uh, expecting, Joe. Right. So many facets to you, Joe. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think high school football <laughs> it's like an onion. High, is huge where I'm from. Yeah. Um, and I covered it extensively in east texas uh and then again in in louisiana it's it's just it's massive and so coming here i mean i i felt pretty comfortable doing the show because i've you know we had an hour we had an hour long high school football Love show it. in shreveport pump it into my an veins hour. it was intense and and i mean honestly like the kid the, the kids watch they 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 care they want they they want to see themselves on tv it's like such a cool yeah. thing for them to see and so i i love that aspect of it i really do i think like like you said that it's a it's a proud moment for them and so for me it's it's, it's a ton of fun there are two kids who play for lsu who are for high school yeah. here mm-hmm. jacob phillips jacoby stevens yep. come from also high school so to see them at lsu now mm-hmm. is i'm not like a proud dad but you take a little oh, you feel good for these guys one thousand percent look some of my my some of my favorite kids to cover were out of shreveport tredavious white i he was like the first athlete I'd interviewed in Shreveport when I moved there for the job. And he was like athlete of the week or something. So I did it, went out and did a story on him, had a 4.0 GPA, was on nice. a, uh, like a public school in Shreveport, which a lot of, there we have a lot of private schools there too. So he went to public school, went to LSU, obviously a first round draft pick and like killing it for the bills. And so like watching him do that and Devin White and Greedy Williams coming to Nashville for the draft, and I covered them in high school to watch them go full circle through LSU. I mean, I, I will. I'm like a proud parent of them, but I, I mean, you know. Yeah, like an aunt. Yeah, like an aunt. <laughs> Uncle and an aunt, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is. It's really cool to watch. And I tell people that I and my news bosses at Channel 4 never, the old bosses never liked this, but I said, our greatest footprint is high school football. Well, no, it's the weather coverage. No, no, no. Your weather person's not in Columbia. Your weather person's not in Cookville or Murfreesboro. We're there. We're on the ground. And we're showing these kids and people see and We know these high schools and these coaches. That's our greatest footprint. And if we ever lose that footprint in local TV, we're done. That's one of the more rewarding parts about getting to see that kind of coverage. Like it just reminds you of the of why we started doing these kind of things. Yep. What the the depth that comes with it and what we talked about earlier, how you prevent yourself from getting jaded 
to the same thing over and over and over again. You just go back to the roots of it. You do. And it's perfect. Mike Keith told me this two years ago. He said, he gives advice for other people too, but he said, with talking about high school football, he said, always ground yourself somehow, some way to high school football. Like he does the PA announcing at BGA. Yeah. Every Friday night. Yeah. So he does. So he's like, always ground yourself to something that is good. And that high school football is pure and it's good. I never forget Mike telling me that. I tell other people that get in this, I said, go cover a high school football team, go to their games, write an article for yourself, whatever. Just get involved with them somehow. They'll appreciate it. I have never once gone to high school football game like, what are you doing here? I don't want to talk to you. They greet you with open arms like you are liberating France, man. These people love you. It's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Tatum Everett, Fox 17. Check her out there. Joe Dubin, Big Joe on the go in the mornings covering high school football wherever there is high school football to be covered. Both of them, thank you for your time and your insights here on the 615 session. You bet, buddy. Good to have you guys in. We will be back on Thursday with Dane Brugler, the athletics draft specialist. We'll talk about just how big a fall Tua might get. That's coming up on Thursday right here on the 615 Sessions, brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.